Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Uh, if you have your Bibles, meet me in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through verse 35. Uh, as Pastor Timothy mentioned, I'm Evan, one of the pastors here. Uh, so glad to be bundled up with you uh, this morning uh, for this time to worship here on Christmas. Uh, I know it's cold, but I'm thankful uh, to see you. And thanks to those of you that are, are streaming in live. Uh, the season of Advent has been a season of waiting. Uh, and today we get to celebrate that Christmas is finally here. And research shows that uh, if you say, man, your body temperature increases a degree or two. So if you want to get warm, you can say amen here and there. Just saying, that's what the research, don't ask me to cite the research, I'm just saying, that's what the research shows. Uh, interestingly, the, the word Christmas uh, comes from a, a Latin phrase translated Christ Mass. Um, and so our, our Catholic friends uh, have been accustomed to gathering and worshiping uh, the Lord on Christmas and so glad to be able to uh, enter into that tradition uh, this, this morning to celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and I know that at least for some of you, there might have been some conflict in deciding on whether or not to gather, whether that was internal or interpersonal. Uh, but you are, you are here and thankful that you uh, took a break from the festivities, braved the cold, and, and gathered here uh, this, this morning, especially if this is your first time with us or first time being in church, period. Uh, you are welcome here, and I believe you are exactly where God wants you to be. Uh, I, I love the Advent season. Uh, the, the, the themes remain the same, but what doesn't remain the same is me. Uh, I am not the same person I was in 2021, and neither are you. Life has happened. Uh, the themes of hope, peace, joy, and love affect me differently as I have lived. The, the theme of waiting hits different this year than it did last year, uh, because what's in view in my life is, is different. Uh, and, and also, uh, an Advent theme that I am growing to appreciate is the theme of disruption. A big part of why we are not the same as we were a year ago is because we've experienced disrupt disruptions in our lives. Uh, some of these disruptions have been welcomed, whether that's a new job or a new home or a new relationship. Uh, they have disrupted in a great way the path of life we were walking. Uh, but other disruptions haven't been welcomed. Uh, loss of loved ones, loss of a job, health issues, family issues, marriage issues, financial issues. These disruptions were not only not welcomed, but they were often unexpected. Uh, sometimes disruptions disorient us. And if I'm honest, I, I usually resist unwelcomed disruptions, or at least I resent them. Uh, and I look at the welcome disruptions as blessings, as a sign of God's pleasure towards me. Uh, but Advent uh, does not make such a distinction. Disruptions are as much a part of God's handiwork in our lives as when things go according to plan. Mary and Joseph were disrupted. Zechariah and Elizabeth were disrupted. The shepherds, the magi, the world was disrupted. And so Advent challenges me. 
Year after year, as I have faced disruption after disruption, Advent challenges me to constantly reconsider how the Lord may be working in my life. And this morning, we're going to look at, uh, briefly at a man that has learned to welcome the disruptions. Uh, he's been looking for the disruption. He has received it with open arms, and he challenges us this morning to look for God in the disruptions of life. And so if you're able, I want to invite you to stand as we read Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through verse 35. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Christ, the everlasting Lord, yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, Lord, would you enable us to adore you? Lord, thank you that your word transforms us. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditation all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In 2007, Joshua Bell did a little experiment. Uh, Joshua Bell is a Grammy Award-winning, world-renowned violinist. And on a cold January morning, he went down to a metro station in Washington, D.C., he pulled out his $3.5 million violin, and for 45 minutes, he began to play various pieces. Over a 1,000 people were clocked at passing by him while he was playing, yet only seven stopped to listen. Just a few days before this, he was headlining a show in a theater in Boston where tickets were $100 each, and he sold the place out. But here in this busy metro station, seven people stopped where he received a total of $32. The point of the experiment was to show that sometimes we can be so busy with life, trying to get from one thing to the next that we fail to pause and we miss the opportunity to be in the presence of beauty and greatness. These people in this busy metro station, they missed the disruption. 
And here on this last Sunday of the year, I imagine uh, you know what it's like to be so busy that you can't be bothered with one more disruption. You had an idea of what your life should, should look like by the time you got to the end of 2022 when you're not quite there yet. And the, the question I want to lift to us this morning is, what if God is actually right there in the disruption and also using it for his glory? In our text this morning, we see a man named Simeon. We don't know much about him other than he was righteous, devout, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He's been waiting, he's been looking, and he finally experiences it. He sees the child, the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. And when he does, we get some insight into how the Lord uses disruption. Because within this disruption, Simeon shows us celebration and confrontation. Celebration. Simeon holds Jesus and blesses God and bursts into song in verse 29 through 32. Uh, What he's been waiting for has finally arrived and he tells the Lord, I can depart in peace. He says, I can die now. Can you imagine how weirded out Mary and Joseph might have been? Uh, I mean, verse uh, 21 through 24, it shows this young couple is trying to live their lives according to Jewish custom and the law. And this man disrupts all of that. Verse 28 says, he takes the child, which is like, hold on, stranger danger. Why are you taking my child? And he just bursts into celebration. Because this child isn't really a stranger to him. This child is the long-awaited coming king. This child is the revealed wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Simeon knows the prophecies that unto us, unto us, a child is born. And he sees him. He sees him and says, I can die now. And what's interesting about that is the boy hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't performed any miracles. He hasn't taught in any synagogues or mountains. He hasn't amassed a great following. He he hasn't died on the cross yet. But Simeon doesn't need all of that. He sees this boy. He sees the promises fulfilled. And he says, I have seen the salvation that you have prepared for all people. And that's enough for me. God wants his people to celebrate that before he does a single thing for us, to be in the presence of God is a true gift. Because when you're in his presence, you have his glory. You you have his light. You you have the all in all when you take hold of him. As the song says, Christ the everlasting Lord, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, please with us in flesh to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. 400 years. That's how long they waited for this king. 400 years of waiting, 400 years of God's people being weary. But Isaiah 9 says the people walking in darkness have finally seen this great light. And Simeon shows us we should celebrate. We we celebrate by by pausing, beholding in the busyness, in the darkness, in the chaos. We behold the beauty and the greatness Simeon also shows us confrontation. 
Verse 34 and 35, as Mary and Joseph are marveling at what's happening, Simeon tells them this child is appointed for the rise and fall of many in Israel. He's pointing to the offensive part of Christmas. The, the, the story of Christmas, the, the songs of Christmas are laden with clear reference to Jesus as Lord, Master, King, Christ, Holy, Savior. Those references mean that his advent, his coming, means he wants to take over. He is the rightful ruler. And Simeon makes clear not everyone will embrace that. In fact, some people will oppose that. And so Christmas is as much a confrontation as it is a celebration. We are confronted with deciding who really gets to rule over our lives. And Jesus isn't interested in sharing the throne. Last night, Pastor Daniel, he, he noted that we struggle with, uh, with wanting the kingdom without the king. But, but we can't have God's kingdom with self at the center. We want justice. We want hope. We, we want peace. We want goodness. And that's wrapped up in the king as much as it's wrapped up in his kingdom. Rebecca McLaughlin wrote a wonderful little book titled, Is Christmas Unbelievable? And I would commend it to you. There might be a QR code in the back of your bulletin there. And, and in it, she says that, uh, that people, they, they try to remove the truth of Jesus out of Christmas, like trying to pull a block out of a Jenga tower. Have you ever played Jenga? It's a stressful game. You know, Jenga is, is, is this game where, where, where blocks are, are stacked on, on top of one another. And, and your goal is, is, is to keep pulling out blocks and stacking them on the tower until someone loses by pulling out the wrong block and it tumbles over. And, and so the metaphor is I, I, I can have the structure of Christmas. I can have the structure of my life and let me just pull Jesus out and the structure maintains. McLaughlin says, pulling out Jesus is less like pulling a block out of Jenga and more like pulling a pin out of a grenade. When you pull out Jesus, everything is dismantled. And Jesus was clear about that. That's why he was crucified. Everyone was fine with him as long as he didn't try to be their Lord, Master, King, or Savior. And salvation is an offensive idea because it tells us we need saving. But that's why he came. And for all of us, for all of us, we've pulled the pin. The dismantling has happened. Sin has destroyed and corroded. And we're all spending our lives trying to put the pieces back together. And Jesus has come to disrupt all of that. The consolation... That's in verse 25. Is that the coming of Jesus brings a comfort that can only be found in glorifying him. We behold this coming king. We pause and behold this beauty and greatness so that we will worship this king. So in this Christmas season, the Lord invites us to receive him. As king, receive this glorious disruption and be renewed. As the song says, let every heart prepare him room.
Let every heart prepare him room for the Savior reigns. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me? Precious Savior, the moment we trust you as our Savior, you forgive all our sins, past, present, and future. This glorious gift of grace ensures that our ultimate destination is eternity. Moreover, you have given us yourself, the greatest treasure of all. How beautiful. You've lavished your love on us and promised us your presence forever. As we ponder this beautiful disruption, we rejoice in you, our beloved Savior. And for the one that is here, that is disoriented by the disruptions of life, would you draw them in by your comfort? Would you draw them in to console them by your reigning king and your reigning kingdom? It's in your magnificent name we pray. Amen.